morning is from Romans chapter 12, and I'm reading from verse 9. Romans chapter 12, and reading from verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of a low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will reply, repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word, and we pray this morning that as we look into your word that you would speak to us. We pray that we might hear your voice. We pray that you would speak into our lives, into our situations. We pray that you would encourage us and give us hope, that you would help us as we try to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, you will know that we did uh, uh, launch our text for the year. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and uh, faithful in prayer. And uh, just to remind you, um, we started off with patience in affliction because we said that was the odd one out because we had uh, no control over it. That was something that happens to us. And uh, we said um, that, um, that patience in affliction is the normal. We said that's our normal situation, that's where all of us live. Uh, We live in and with affliction. And uh, we quoted um, John Piper saying, Tribulation is the normal experience in the believer's life. Some tribulations we share with other believers, like sickness and calamity and death. And some is unique to believers, like persecution for Christ's sake. But the main point here is that tribulation is the normal and to be expected in this world. And then we went on to look at being joyful in hope and uh, being faithful in prayer. Uh, But we kind of ran out of time because we didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about prayer. And so we're looking at the same passage uh, this morning, which is a little bit unusual. I did hear one preacher that preached exactly the same sermon in the evening that they preached in the morning, just to see whether anybody noticed. And uh, I know the person who did that, and they, they said nobody commented. Nobody commented. Now, they were either being very polite, or they'd forgotten what had been said in the morning. Uh, who knows? Well, I'm not going to be believed to know, those of you who were here last week, I'm not going to preach the same sermon as I preached last week. But we are going to be thinking um, about being faithful in prayer. 
We're going to be exploring that. And I do commend that book to you, Prayer. Uh, great title, Prayer Doesn't Make Any Difference by uh, Philip Yancey. Uh, well worth reading. So we are thinking about uh, uh, prayer this morning. And uh, we're going to be thinking about, you know, how we pray and uh, what we do when we pray. And uh, does it make any difference when we pray? So that's where we're going this morning. We're going to be thinking about prayer. In Philip Yancey's book, he says, Many of those I talk to experienced prayer more as a burden than a pleasure. They regarded it as important, even paramount, and felt guilty about their failure, blaming themselves. I wonder if there's anybody here that can identify with that quotation. Do you, uh, do you experience prayer as a burden or a pleasure? Uh, do you feel guilty? Uh, one of the things I'm going to try and not do during this sermon is make you feel guilty about whether or not you pray enough or often enough. Because uh, we've all heard sermons where we've been told that, uh, that we don't pray enough. And uh, that's the reason why we don't see answers to our prayers. I don't want to do this morning. I just want to explore with you, uh, hopefully to encourage you. Because if, we, if we're going to encourage people to be faithful in prayer... Uh, we need to give them, we need to give them help, we need to give people advice, and we need to encourage one another, uh, rather than tell each other that we're just not doing it enough. And so, uh, as we explore this this morning, hopefully, uh, the outcome of it will, we will, we will, we will be more faithful in our praying together. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get stuck in. The first thing I want to talk about is that if, if we're going to be faithful in prayer, we need to have a healthy, prayer life. And at the beginning of the new year, you know, lots of people, we talked about New Year's resolutions, or Peter did while I was trying to fix the computer last week, talked about New Year's uh, resolutions. Um, and very often, you know, people at the beginning of the new year, they, they, they want to get healthy. They might start exercising, they might start to, uh, uh, to, to take on, on a diet, in the idea of making our physical bodies more healthy. And at the beginning of the new year, I want to say, well, let's, let's those things are good. It's good to have a physical uh, healthy body, but let's have a spiritual healthy body as well by being faithful in prayer. So a healthy prayer life. What does it look like, a healthy prayer life? What does it look like? What does it mean to have a healthy prayer life? Does anybody think that they've got a healthy prayer life? Nobody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or you're you, you, you just being a little bit bashful and, and you don't want to admit it. I'm sure some people, uh, hopefully some people do feel they've got a healthy prayer life. But it does, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think prayer is something that many of us struggle with. And I'd be quite happy to put my hand up if, if, I, if I was being asked the question, do you struggle in prayer? Because I think a lot of us do struggle in prayer. And so how can we develop a healthy prayer life? Well, of course, uh, the best place to look is to look at Jesus and uh, to look what Jesus did. And one of the things that we read in the scripture, uh, just a couple of uh, examples here. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So it would seem from reading the Gospels that it was Jesus' regular habit to put time aside and find a place to go and pray. Uh, for those that think early in the morning or, or late at night, best time to pray. I'm not suggesting that you have to get up early in the morning to pray. But I'm just showing that Jesus found a regular space and a regular time in his life uh, amid all the busyness and, and all, the, all the people that wanted his attention. He 
made sure that he found time each day to put aside to pray. And I think finding uh, a time and a place where you can pray is very helpful. Uh, of course, you can pray anyway. You can pray in the car when you can pray when you're washing it up. But actually, sometimes going to a place and uh, and slicing out a bit of time where you're going to spend time with God, I think, is helpful for a healthy prayer life. You don't have to you don't have to set yourself uh, unrealistic goals. I, I know some people, uh, you know, you read books about some of the great saints that get up at five o'clock in the morning and pray for two hours before they even start uh, the day. I wouldn't suggest that that's where you start. Uh, because the, the, the likelihood is that you won't succeed. But if you just cut out a small piece of time in the day and say, right, I'm going to try and pray maybe even only for five minutes to start with, I'm, I'm building it up uh, to 10 minutes, to 15 minutes, just finding that space and time. We all lead very busy lives. And uh, one of the things that very often gets pushed out is prayer time. We do need to put it in our diary. Again, just another example in Luke 5. uh, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was his regular habit, finding space, making time. And uh, I don't know about you, but I I make time for the things that are important in my life. You know, I, you know, if if somebody offers me for, uh, you know, I might have a very busy schedule, but if somebody phones me up and says, do you want to go to watch United this week? I've got a free ticket. All of a sudden, uh, there's a space in my busy calendar uh, for that because I want to do it. And uh, what I want to encourage in, 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 in a healthy prayer life and being faithful to prayer is trying to make prayer something that we actually enjoy doing and want to do rather than just being a burden and feeling it's something that we have to do or we ought to do. So finding a place and find a place that's, that's, that's going to make you feel good. You know what I mean? For some people, it is it is walking outside. They, I know people that, that that pray most often outside because they like being outside. It's good to find a place that you're going to enjoy being. If you're in a place that's kind of that's that's, that's cold and, and 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 damp and well, outside it will be like that at the moment. So so there you go. But you know what I mean? If you find a place that's not very comfortable for praying, uh, it's not going to help you in in your prayer life. So find a place where you, you're going to be uh, comfortable and find a place where you're going to be able to pray. Uh, Max Lucado, just in his book, Just Like Jesus, says, Let me ask you the obvious. If Jesus, the Son of God, the sinless Saviour of humankind, thought it worthwhile to clear his calendar pray, wouldn't it be wise to do the same? If we are to be just like Jesus, we must have a regular time of talking to God and listening to his word. Stating the obvious, if Jesus needed to pray, then so do we. Uh, We need to pray. Because otherwise, basically, we're saying we can do it on our own. And I don't know about you, but I can't do it on my own. Uh, I do need God's help. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? I guess the most often time that we pray is when we're in trouble. Isn't it? Uh, You know, we were thinking very much about uh, being patient in affliction. Uh, There's lots of bad things about affliction, but the good thing about affliction is it does focus our prayer life. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm in trouble, I tend to pray more than when I'm not in trouble. When things go wrong... I tend to pray more than when things are going right. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's, it's just what happens, isn't it? That's what we do. Uh, we pray when we are in trouble. And so uh, making it a regular habit is, is something that is worthwhile doing. And uh, we would want to encourage that. And there's lots of helps and there's lots of things that, you know, there's daily readings, there's all sorts of books and things online that can help us to make sure that we're spending time with God on a daily basis.
So we want people to develop a healthy prayer life. We want people to develop a, a healthy and a regular prayer life. We want people to encourage prayer. You know, when we're meeting together in house groups, I'm sure all the house groups have a time of prayer when we just encourage one another and pray for one another. And any time that we're meeting together is an opportunity for us to pray. So, a healthy prayer life. Um, we've talked about uh, with the children, you know, whether the position matters. And of course, uh, how discerning of the children. Most of the time they, they stood in the middle and said, it doesn't matter. Well, I came across this little story that you may find uh, amusing. A priest, a minister, and a spiritual counsellor sat discussing the best positions for prayer whilst a telephone repairman was working nearby. Kneeling is definitely the best way to pray, the priest said. No, said the minister, I get the best results standing with my hands outstretched to heaven. You're both wrong, said the spiritual director. The most effective prayer position is lying down on the floor. The telephone repairman could contain himself no longer. Hey, fellas, he interrupted. The best praying I ever did was when I was dangling upside down from a telephone pole. (laughs) It doesn't really matter, does it, what position, what place it is. The important thing is that we do pray. And uh, we pray on a regular basis. So, developing a healthy prayer life. And when you pray, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they have to pray standing in the synagogues and street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And of course, then Jesus goes on to say, and when you pray, pray like this, and gives the people the Lord's Prayer that we often uh, recite. So Jesus is saying, again, the importance of finding that space. Here he's suggesting that you go to your room and close your door. And again, it's finding that space where you can be. He's also saying, you know, it doesn't really matter what you say. Sometimes we get, we don't know what to say. And there's lots of helps, you know. I don't know whether you ever use written prayers. Sometimes people come to me and say, you know, Richard, I can't pray. And one of the things I'll say to them is, why don't you try reading some prayers, some prayers that other people have written? Um, because uh, sometimes sometimes we spiritualise these things. Some, sometimes we think, oh, it's not as good because he's reading a prayer rather than making it up as if somehow uh, the words that we make up are going to be better or worse than words that have been written. It doesn't matter. Uh, we should stand in the middle here. It doesn't matter. The important thing is is that we're talking to God on a regular basis. So we should use, and, and variety in prayer will help. How many of you have, have, have tried to think, well, I'm, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. And before you know it, you've started praying and then your mind's wandered onto something else and you've realised that you've stopped praying without realising it. Anybody had that experience? One or two, yeah. We've all done that, haven't we? So sometimes, you know, to, 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 to use some variety in prayer, to use things that are going to help us and encourage us to stick with it. Because on our own, left to our own devices, uh, our minds do wander, don't they? Uh, reading scripture. Scripture's full of prayers. We've just mentioned, you know, Jesus gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, but the scripture's full of prayers. Sometimes it's worth just, just writing out the prayers in scripture and using those on a regular basis to help you focus in your prayer time. There's all sorts of things that we can do. You can open the newspaper 
And, uh, you know, you can pray about things that are happening in the news. You can use a newspaper in your prayers. Uh, you can pray, you know, for people that you meet. Uh, you know, whether it's a person serving you in the supermarket or whether it's people around you at work, you can pray for them and they don't even know that you're praying for them. Better still, you can tell them, you can say, I'm, I'm praying for you, you know, uh, because that will encourage them. Uh, one of the things that I've always surprised about is anybody that I ask when I visit them, you know, church people, non-church people, and I say, do you mind if I pray with you? I don't think anybody has ever said, well, I'd rather you didn't. Uh, some people might be just being polite, but most people actually welcome the idea of somebody praying for them. Uh, they like it, even if they've got no faith or don't go to church. They seem to like the idea of people praying for them, especially if they've got situations that they're facing that they're struggling with, or people who are ill in their family. They seem to appreciate prayer. So again, Jesus gives the disciples ideas about how they can develop a healthy prayer life. So that's the first thing. Uh, we all want a healthy prayer life. And we want to get into the idea that, you know, that we actually enjoy it, that it's a good thing to do. Uh, so that we will come back and we will do it again and again. Because we actually enjoy spending time with God. This week, as Michael mentioned, I'm going to the Fresh Stream Conference. It's something I've done for about the last five years at the beginning of the year. And I'm quite excited about going. I'm expecting uh, to meet with God. And, and, and it's a place that I enjoy going to. And it's a place that I, I really feel that God is going to speak to me. And uh, we go back to places like that, don't we? When we experience something good and positive, And we want to do that in our daily prayer life. We want to be something that we do on a, a regular weekly basis. So that's the first thing, a healthy prayer life. The second thing uh, is an honest prayer life. We need to be honest. Uh, the great thing about coming to God is we can be honest with God. We're not always honest with each other, are we? We're not always honest. Sometimes we put on a face, sometimes we pretend. Very often we pretend things are better than they actually are. Uh, but you've been honest this morning because lots of you put your hands up and say that, you know, your mind wanders when, you, when, when, when you're praying. So good for you. But we can be honest with God. We can be absolutely frank. We can tell him exactly how we are feeling and he can cope with it. Members of the church might not be able to cope with how you're feeling if you ask them. Uh, but God can. We can be totally honest. But I also think we need to be honest in what we experience in prayer. We need to be honest. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes it's not that people are dishonest in prayer, but sometimes people talk about their prayer experiences. And sometimes I think that, what's the best word to use? Are they exaggerating? Are they making it sound better than it actually is? Let me give you an example. When I was on my sabbatical and I, I went to America, uh, I did a lot of driving and most of it was very positive and good. But at one stage, I nearly had a head-on collision with a huge truck. And it was quite frightening. I was going straight on a road and we came to uh, a T-junction with traffic lights and I had a green light as far as I can recall. And this truck came and it went straight across us. And we, I swerved, we missed it by literally inches now, in retelling that story, I can tell it in one of two ways. I, I just told it you, you know, as it was, as it happened. I, I could tell you the story differently. I could tell you that when I went to pick up the hire car, I was disappointed because I got a Nissan and not a Dodge. And uh, I, I wanted to, to, I really wanted to drive a nice big American car. 
uh, had I got the, and the Nissan was the only car they had in the bracket that I'd paid for, we prepaid for the car hire, and it was the only car, there wasn't a choice, there was no choice, I was really disappointed. Uh, had I got a Dodge, it would have been much bigger, and we might not have missed that truck. Now I could tell that story and make it sound like a, a miraculous encounter that God made sure there was only that car because he knew, do you see what I'm saying? And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be being dishonest, that's what happened. Uh, whether God was, was in it or not, I don't know. We were certainly thankful to God uh, when we missed the truck and the car just sort of span round and skidded. We were absolutely, uh, you know, praising God that we hadn't hit it because it would have been awful. Um, you know, we might have been injured, the car would have been wrecked, it would have been horrendous, it would have ruined the trip. Uh, but you see what I'm saying? The way that you tell the story, uh, sometimes it's not that people are setting out to be dishonest, but sometimes they, they tell the story uh, to make it seem as if, you know, God is answering prayers in a miraculous way all the time. You know, and sometimes I get people in my office and say, and they say, God doesn't seem to speak to me like they speak to somebody else. And they say that because they've heard people talking as if, you know, God said this and God said that, as if God's speaking to them all the time in prayer, and that's not their personal experience. And the danger is that whilst we're wanting to encourage people, I'm sure that's the, the, the aim of people that, that tell miraculous stories, and hey, you know, if, if something miraculous has happened, we do want to know, we do want to share it, but we want to be honest in what's happened. Uh, we don't want to exaggerate. Sometimes I exaggerate stories for humour, and I think that's okay if it's at my expense. Uh, but when I'm exaggerating stories, trying to make things seem bigger or better than they actually are, I think that can be quite dangerous, because it can leave people feeling that this person's having a much better experience than, 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 than they are. And then, of course, there's the whole problem of unanswered prayers. You might want to say to me, well, God always answers prayers. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no, and that's the answer. Uh, But you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about unanswered prayers, don't you? Things that we have prayed about and asked God for, and there just doesn't seem to be an answer. We might be praying for members of our family to come to faith. We might be praying for uh, members of our family or friends to get better, and they don't seem to get better. And it seems that we, uh, there doesn't seem to be, there certainly isn't the answer that we desire. But we, 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 we feel that we're praying within God's will. And still there isn't an, un, an answer to prayer. And sometimes we need to be honest about that. Uh, people will come up with all sorts of excuses that don't always make people feel better. People might suggest that it's because you've not got enough faith. And that's why your prayers haven't been answered. I think that's a little bit cruel. To suggest that to somebody. Yes, you can back it up from scripture. Often Jesus talked about people's faith and, and answers prayer together. You can say that. But when you say that to somebody who's struggling, and especially if they're praying for somebody in their family who's very ill, to say that the reason that they're not being, the prayers aren't being answered is because you've not got a faith. I, I just think it's cruel to say that. To say that, uh, you know, somebody's prayers aren't being answered because of something wrong in your life, or some sin in your life, and that's what's stopping. Again, we can find scriptures that back that up, but to say that to somebody, I think is actually quite cruel and not helpful. Another thing that I don't think is helpful is to say to people, you know, when somebody's prayers are unanswered, to suddenly come up with a whole list of prayers that you've had answered. And, and, and saying, well, you know, God does answer prayer because of this and because of that and because of the other. Because actually, you again, you leave that person feeling worse. They'll be thinking, well, God's answering this person's prayers, but he's not answering my prayers. They must love that person a lot more than they love me. Or, or, and there must be something wrong with me because that person's prayers are always being answered and my prayers aren't. So if we want to help people and want to encourage people, we have to join them in the struggle. 
and, and grapple and be, just be honest about it. And the honest thing is, you know, we've all prayed prayers that we don't feel have been answered. We've all prayed for people, uh, you know, to come to faith. Uh, and they haven't come to faith. We've all prayed for people to get better, and sometimes they haven't got better. The good thing is, is as well as all the the, 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 the passages and scriptures that we can quote about wonderful answered prayers, of course there are people in the Bible who prayed, and their prayers weren't answered. Um, you know, Paul said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. We don't know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. What we do know is that he prayed at least three times for it to be removed, and it wasn't. Paul experienced unanswered prayer. Moses prayed, you know, that he would be able to go into the promised land. Having led the, the, the Israelites through the wilderness for 40 years, that prayer was not answered. He didn't get there. There's lots of examples of, 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 of people that prayed and they didn't get the answer that they wanted. Or for whatever reason, God didn't answer it. And uh, we need to be honest about that. Uh, we don't always understand. And again, sometimes we need to be honest in the fact that we don't understand uh, why God doesn't answer our prayer. We just need to be honest with each other. And honest with God. We can say to God, I don't understand what's going on here. I just don't understand it. I'm praying about this. And so we need to be uh, honest in our prayers, and especially when it comes to unanswered prayers. We don't need to pretend that things are better than they actually are. Again, uh, Philip Yancey in his book says, I do not doubt that God answers prayers. Rather, I struggle with the inconsistencies of those apparent answers. I quite like that. Uh, there is an inconsistency. You might not be comfortable with, with, uh, with Philip, it's Philip Yancey suggesting that God's inconsistent, not me, but I do, I do like it because, because it seems to me there doesn't seem to be a kind of pattern. You know, some people say, well, if you do this and you do that, God will answer your prayers. Well, well, actually no, because I know, I know people that have really sought God over things. And, uh, and, and prayers have been answered miraculously, but I know other people who are just as good and just as faithful and have sought God just as much and their prayers haven't been answered. And there does seem to me to be an inconsistency. I can't explain it. I don't really understand it. I felt more comfortable in a, in a sense when I was talking about afflictions because I feel as if I've got more experience in that and I can talk about it and have some understanding of that. When it comes to prayer, even though I've been a minister for coming up to 20 years and I've been a Christian for 30 years, I still don't really understand prayer. Uh, I would encourage people, is what I'm trying to do this morning, I would encourage people to pray all the time, uh, but I don't understand. I don't think there's a, there's a formula that we can follow. There isn't a guarantee. There isn't a guarantee. You know, if you go to the shop and something breaks down, uh, you take it back, don't you? And uh, if, if the person serving you uh, can't help you, uh, maybe you start shouting, uh, you know, and, 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 and hoping that will help. And sometimes people do that in prayers, don't you? Have you noticed? You know, some people shout, they perhaps think God's deaf. And sometimes it appears, doesn't it, that God is deaf because he doesn't hear our prayers. And so maybe shouting, it might help you, but I don't think it's going to make a lot of difference with God whether we shout or whether we whisper or whether we speak in the quietness of our own hearts. Um, an honest prayer life is what we need. We need to be honest about prayer. Uh, in, and in the hope that it will actually encourage people in their prayer life, because that's what we want to do. We want to encourage people. We don't want to make people feel worse than they already feel. We want to encourage them in prayer. 
And of course, if we don't get answers, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to say, well, I'd like to speak to the manager, uh, because you obviously can't sort this out. Uh, well, we can go, we, we, we started off with that passage and we sang about, you know, being able to go into the most holy place. We do have access to the person who's in charge and we can go. And we can actually, you know, we can actually, you know, in the Bible we do find prayers of complaint. We do actually find that. If you look at the Psalms, they're full of prayers where the psalmist is, you know, basically complaining about the seemingly lack of, of answers to prayer or evidence of God's activity. And it seems to me that that's okay to do that. They actually, the, the, the technical term is called a lament. Uh, I just call it complaining. Uh, but that's what it did. The, 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 I, think, I think most of the psalms are actually psalms of laments. I think there's more psalms of laments than there are of praise and thanksgiving, which is interesting, isn't it? Which suggests that the people of God have had this problem for a long time in really understanding what God is about in answering their prayers. But it doesn't stop us praying. I will continue to pray for those that are sick, for those that, that don't know Jesus, because... That's what Jesus tells me to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to encourage other people to do. So we want a, a healthy prayer life. We want a, an honest prayer life. And uh, we do want a hopeful prayer life. We do want a hopeful prayer life. Because sometimes God does answer prayers in miraculous ways. And we need to remember that. And it's a hopeful prayer life because we gain hope from recognising that God is with us in this situation. When we talk to God, we sometimes come away experiencing God with us in that situation. And even if the, the problem hasn't been removed, we come away with a peace that we've handed this over to God. We've told God about it. And, you know, people say, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. Well, taking a problem to God is, is a good thing to do. And we want to encourage people to do that. Jesus he said uh, in Luke 18, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. And he co- goes on to talk about uh, the parable, I think it's of the uh, persistent widow. Uh, you know, and we need to be persistent in our prayers uh, and not give up. Uh, sometimes we feel like giving up, don't we? Because we've prayed for something and we haven't seen anyf- anything happen. Some of you will be uh, familiar with that acronym, PUSH. You know, pray until something happens. Push. Pray until something happens. The problem is you might have to pray for an awful long time before anything happens. But that's what we're called to do. Being faithful in prayer means we keep on doing it. Uh, We're not going to be fair weather prayers. We'll pray, you know, if we get results and if we don't get results then we're not going to pray. You know, those of you that are interested in football, you wouldn't give up on your team just because they got beat, would you? You wouldn't stop supporting them and stop going and watching them, would you? You'd carry on. You'd go week after week. Some people suffer all sorts of things. They follow their football team through all sorts of trials and tribulations. Uh, but they don't give up. They carry on going. Some people think they're crazy. And it's the same with God's people. Uh, we look at the world and, and this week, again, we've seen some hor- horrendous things going on in this world. And some people will say, well, where's God in all this? But I don't know about you, but I... There's something, there's something happening, isn't there? In, in, in the, I was just impressed with the response of the, of the French people. Apparently there's going to be thousands, if not millions, gathering today and just standing quietly, lighting candles in response, you know, to something terribly evil that's happened. I don't know about you, but that encourages me 
Because it's a little bit like what Paul says in, in the passage that we, we, we read, isn't it? Uh, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And it seems to me that's what the French people are doing as they stand together in silence. Very moving and, 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 and much more powerful than those people that stands with machine guns and, and kill innocent people. There's something powerful happening in, in the response to that evil act. And so we've got to continue to pray. We've got to continue to pray. A hopeful prayer life will will encourage us to continue to pray. And, and we need to do that. We need to offer people help who are struggling, to, to offer to pray with them. And obviously, every Sunday, you know, we, 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 we make that offer, you know, the people that are here who would love to and would willingly pray with you. And let me just tell you this, I'll let you into a little secret. You don't need to have a problem for somebody to pray with you. Uh, you don't need to be ill. You, you, you can come here and people will pray with you. And you don't even, you can just say, just pray for me. I just want, I just want God to bless me this morning. I just want someone to pray for me. You don't have to have a major problem. If you've got a problem, obviously you can come and be prayed for, but you don't have to. You can just allow people to pray for you. It's good. It'll make you feel, uh, better. And of course, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you're asking in prayer, believe that you have it, received it, and it shall be done for you. I don't know about you, but part of me is, is, is hopeful about that. But part of me has got an awful lot of problem with passages like that because it just doesn't seem to be quite as easy as that. And sometimes we need to grapple with these scriptures. And again, it's going back to that honesty. In Yes, there are loads of passages of scripture where it seems to say that all you have to do is ask and you will receive. And most of us have experienced something that isn't quite like that. We've asked, but we haven't received. We've believed, but we still don't seem to have got any answer. I just grapple with these pa- passages of Scripture and, and try to work out what's going on. It seems when I look in, in the Scriptures that, that when Jesus prayed for people, things happened. And uh, my belief is that when p- people pray, things do happen. Sometimes they don't happen in, in the time frame that we would like to see them happen. Sometimes um, we have to leave things in God's hands and in God's time frame. We're very impatient in prayer, aren't we? We want results straight away. And sometimes we just have to persist. And the hope, I think, that we can offer one another this morning is let's persist in prayer. Let's encourage one another and let's commit ourselves to pray for each other. You can take that church diary. And you can pray for the activities. You can take, take the church directory and pray for people's names every week. Let's encourage each other in prayer and let's be faithful in prayer. So, having spoken about prayer, let's leave time to pray.